Welcome to Lemonade Learning, a refreshing look at learning today. We serve up high impact practical strategies alongside honest and energizing stories to help educators. Make the most of your moments, lead and learn with purpose, and craft lifetime lemonade from the sweets and sours of education. Join us for a glass. Hey everybody, it's Bree and Lainey. Welcome. We've got another twofer. We've got Aaron Murphy and Ross Cooper, and I'm going to toss to you, Ross, to go ahead and introduce yourself first. Yep. So um, as you said, my name is Ross Cooper. Currently, I'm an uh, assistant principal in an elementary school in Westchester, New York. Um, Before that, I've been a fourth grade teacher. I've been a um, elementary school principal, K through 12 curriculum supervisor. That's kind of boring. I started with all these titles, um, but it's terrible. Um, so, so from an educational standpoint, yes, that's where I am. I guess I probably should have started with my why. My big why for doing all this, I think, is like this whole idea that, you know, be, be the person or be the educator you needed when you were younger. And I, I, I absolutely love working with students. Um, and, you know, this whole idea of student empowerment, student voice and choice, student-centered learning, and just you know, meeting students where they are um, rather than students meeting us where they are. And that's really my why for becoming an educator um, and for my why for why I do what I do every day. I love it. Erin, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. My name is Erin Murphy, and I am currently the humanities supervisor in a district right outside Allentown, uh, Pennsylvania. And super recently, I am also serving as the interim middle school principal. Um, so that is just another extra, a little extra hat right now. Um, <laughs> and I taught kindergarten, second, third, fifth grade, spent some time as a technology coach. And most recently, I also I just finished my doctorate. Um, from Vanderbilt. Yay. Uh, so I focused on uh, adult learning theories and adult learning. So that's super excited to be here. That's a passion of mine. So we'll have to chat more about that. So I didn't hear, Bree, did I miss it? Did either of them say author? No, um, no, neither. They, they did not. So, and, and not just a, not just one, but we got a couple. So here, here we go. Let's talk about this. Let's, let's chat a little bit about some books. Do you want to mention uh, some titles? One's pretty new. I know we don't have a lot of people watch because we don't talk about the fact that we have a YouTube one as well. So most people are listening. They don't know I'm waving um, your book. latest book around. Book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the latest book is called, well, I'll talk about the old book. Um, so the old book was Hacking Project-Based Learning. Um, that was our first foray. And I think it's funny that we, I don't know, like, you know, I don't think we wrote a book for the purpose of like, we wanted to write a book so much as like, we wanted to tell the story of how we learned how to do project-based learning um, and how we learned how to do it effectively. So Hacking PBL was our first sort of step into that. Um, and then the second book was sort of a, um, not so much an encore as a more. So Ross, do you want to talk a little bit about the new book? Yeah, um, I think it was kind of, you know, we public. I think the first book came out maybe like three and a half, four years ago. And it was like, okay, since then we've done a lot of presenting, consulting, work in and out of our districts. And it's like, okay, now we have more to say. Um, so that that's how the second book came about. And I think actually um, the, the, the second book in a way, like it encompasses all the best from the first book, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way kind of almost makes the first book obsolete. And, and I probably shouldn't be saying that, but I think, I think if you buy the first book and, and you've really process, read it and processed it, you maybe don't need the first book. Um, so I would just recommend the second book. Um, but it's really, we, we had more to say. And, and I think also it was, 
I felt like personally, and I think I could speak for Aaron too, is that there was a need for a practical kind of like down to earth PBL book. I think project-based learning is one of those things where like, we've all been introduced to it by our districts probably, right? In, in some way, shape or form at a, at a certain point in time. And we've seen these videos and it's like, it's, it's great, but like, like cutting through the clutter, like what is it and how do we do it? I still think like those answers um, in a way like haven't, aren't really out there or weren't really out there um, in an accessible, practical way. Um, yes, you could probably find them like with Genius Hour, design thinking, things that are a little bit more straightforward where the process and the steps are a little bit more straightforward. But when it came to, PB, when it came to PBL, um, I think there was still some demystifying that needed to be done, right? And some lingering questions that were out there. And that's really what we tried to um, encompass in that book. So not only is it something that's like near and dear to our hearts, but we thought like there was a need for this. There was a, there was a need for this all-encompassing book that answered those practical questions, those questions in a practical way. Yeah. Well, and I'm a huge fan of the book. And as someone who has done professional learning for my peers about project-based learning, and it's always, um, unfortunately, it hasn't usually been the way that I would like it to be, where it's an ongoing job embedded support thing. It's usually like a district or a school's like, we want to do project-based learning. Laney, can you come in and do six hours? And I'm like, uh, yes. <laughs> Good luck. What's the plan for when I leave? And so I would actually feel very good saying, um, get Ross and Aaron's book, because this is going to really help you move that forward. And one of the things I love that you say in the book, and I actually think it's from your first book, is that project-based learning is like a series of best practices joined together. Um, and I think let's leave that as a teaser and we'll get to your sweet and sour. Bree's laughing because I'm like so checking boxes. She knows how linear I am. And if, if we like go out of order and we don't do <laughs> sweet and sour, I will possibly have a seizure and stroke out. I, it's just, it's going to be hard for me. So, um, so I'm going to toss to Aaron for your sweet and sour, and then we'll get back to talking about project-based learning. Okay. So something sweet, so like something good happening. Well, my, my girls and I got to go kayaking this morning on one of my favorite lakes nearby. So that's probably my, that's the first sweet that came to mind. That's pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah. And I guess my sour is this terrible TikTok thing going around with our middle and high schoolers where kids are like trashing bathrooms and stealing stuff. It's horrible magic. Uh, so that's my sour. <laughs> I just read about that this morning. I feel like an old person who doesn't know what's oh, going man. on in the world. I know like Ross's sinks. eyes. <laughs> we had sinks <laughs> torn off of walls. It was so, it was like, it was something out of a movie. I can't even. So that's my sour. <laughs> pretty sour. Mm -hmm. It is pretty sour. Ross, what uh, about Ross? Yeah, I'll, <laughs> my, my sweet is, I mean, I'll, I'll keep it um, education related is, um, I could say I'm tremendously proud of where we are as a school, where I am now at Roaring Brook School and Chappaqua Central School District. Um, the, the last two years, I was talking to some uh, one of my coworkers this morning, the last two years have been the hardest two years of my career, you know, for various reasons, moving to a new district, the pandemic and all that. And yes, we're still in the middle of a pandemic, but um, where we are as a building and um, and the way that the teachers that I serve and coworkers have persevered has been uh, probably the most inspiring thing that I've seen in, I think about 12 years, I've, I've been in education about 12 years, in the 12 years I've been in education. And it, it feels like we could finally kind of breathe again. At least I could speak for myself, like we could finally kind of breathe again. Yes, we're still going through things, but it's like, okay, like we could take a deep breath. Um, and there's just, there's a little bit more time now, like during the day, there was time to have good 
conversations. There's, um, I think, going to be a good amount of time this year to focus on curriculum instruction and actually centering the students, which is why we got into this in the first place. So that's really my sweet, um, my sour. That's interesting. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. Um, hmm. I mean, it's hard when you're here with us to think yeah. about anything that's not amazing. everything. No, I, I mean. <laughs> You know, every I know every everything's good. I mean, I don't know. I don't really have like a sour. I know, I don't know. I don't really have like a sour right now. I think, I think, I think if anything, like building off of the suite is like, you know, the amount of work that needs to be done. There's a, there's a, like, no matter where you are, like everybody's learning and everybody's growth and everybody's school and district is in a different place. And I think the amount of work that we have in front of us could be a little bit daunting. And I think it's a matter of, you know, this whole idea of like mile wide, inch deep. If you try to focus on too much, you don't get anything done well. So it's focusing on like, what are we going to prioritize? What are those couple of things we're going to prioritize and just digging in deep and being effective. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think, I think the work, you know, it could be daunting. So that might be the sour that, you know, the, the um, thinking about like what, what the work that lies ahead. Yeah. Well, and I know for me, like one of the struggles that I'm having is we know there's work to be done and it's like, okay, let's go. Oh, you're not ready. Okay. Okay. We're good. We're good. Like, you know, how do I, you know, how do we move forward when I'm not sure how the others I work with are, re how ready are they, if that makes yeah. any sense. Like I, I want to, that's kind of my coping mechanism is I kind of overfunction, And so I worry that me overfunctioning is going to stress other people out and that's not how they cope. And so I think that for me, that's one thing I'm probably struggling with. Probably feels <laughs> I'll chime in and if because this this came up recently in a conversation like if you don't know like if you're not sure if the people you work with are ready ask them yeah, yeah. And that, that might sound like that might be like duh yeah that doesn't just throwing it out there that doesn't always happen that's the same so yeah well I was gonna say I mean I think that that's you know between the two of you I think that that's one of the things that is a huge connection piece because given all that is going on, um, you know, and trying to prioritize, where do we lean in? Where do we lead? Where do we maintain? Right. Like, I mean, I think that that's one of those, those elements in education, regardless of a pandemic, whatever's going on, we're always trying to find out like, where do we, where, where do we need to, to, you know, turn the dial up a little bit and like really make sure that we're getting this in, where do we feel like, okay, yes, we've got some consistency in here. And so now we're able to kind of like move forward. And then where do we just kind of like, okay, that's, we're going to have to triage that and come back to that at another place. And I think that, um, you know, to me that, that really does mirror a lot of, um, the philosophy of PBL, right? Like that, it's not just going to be this, like, one solution. Now we go, we grab it off of the shelf and we just push it forward. But instead we're, you know, we're really going to try to adapt it and, um, and make sure that it's, it's individual and it, and it really does reflect what's happening at the same time. Like both of you I, I are very, very passionate about this topic and it can be, you know, oftentimes misconstrued to where people are just thinking like, yep, I like PBL. We do a project once a year and everything's great and check, now we're done. And, um, but at the same time, like it is such a nebulous topic that it can also become very overwhelming where people feel like, oh, I need to have a PhD in PBL in order to be able to um, know, throw that out there for you, Aaron, where it's like, how do we, so, so 
how are both of you, like, what are your takes on that? How do you keep in mind that really, truly right now with a lot of the things that are happening through the transitions that we're in, in education, that we are kind of in an opportunity where we can create a lot more focus on leveraging PBL, where we really have some environmental characteristics that are letting that happen. But at the same time, we've got a lot of people that are already wide-eyed with everything else that's going on. And they feel like, okay, now great, you're going to take away uh, or or not take away, but like now you're going to to push me in a way that I'm not really prepared for. So what we're, how are you guys seeing that? What are your options and choices and, and some, you know, maybe even some, some bits of advice that we can take away um, from this? I'm going to, I would, I'm going to jump in because there's one thing that like really stood out to me as you were sort of explaining that context, right? So like, where are the, where are the push points that we can move forward right now versus what do we need to just like wait for? Um, so there's a district that I've been working with pretty closely in uh, New Jersey and um, Lainey, I can't remember whether we were talking about this before we started or, you know, mm -hmm. in, in the meeting, but we were talking about like the fact that often like those once and done PDs are not as effective as like long-term coaching. And luckily I've been working with this district for a really long time. And one of the things I've been pushing on there has been audience, right? So like one of the mm -hmm. core components of project-based learning is the audience that the students are creating for. And I think that perhaps one happy accident that comes is coming out of the pandemic is the tools that we now like use almost like a second nature are changing the audience that students can access for their work like i can very easily now zoom with an architect who is really good at building things underwater like i can very easily um you know contact the my local congressperson like i know how to use these tools that perhaps in the past we've been hesitant to give to our students um, so that was something that they were all sort of like, oh, I know I, I can do that now. That's no problem. Um, so that's definitely one push point that um, can be easily changed now that we've adapted to um, this like gray school world. I think also it's like I've seen this like during the pandemic and not during the pandemic is like when we specialize in something, we convince ourselves that's what our, our school needs. Right. So like. Um, well, we could just use project-based learning as an example, like, you know, like, oh, like, like, you know, you know, we hired the PBL guy, we hired the guy who wrote a PBL book that must, you know, that must mean we're all going to have to do PBL or, you know, or like standards-based grading, right? Like, like, you know, you come into a district as a new administrator and it's like, I know what the solution is. Like, this is what we need to do. And I think it's focusing on like, um, what, what's right and not what's easy. Right. And, and like really just taking an objective look at like where you are and saying, um, like, like, where do we need, what, what do we need? And, and doing that collaboratively, right. This idea of once again, asking people and, and really like a lot of times I think we say we're gauging the pulse of people, but we're really just convincing ourselves that we want to go into the direction that we want to go in that, or that we need to go into the direction that benefits us. Right. Or that, or that we want to go in. And I think, um, it, it's easy to do that. And, and that's one of the reasons why like this whole like narrative, like, oh, like because of the pandemic now schools are ripe for change. We don't want to go back to what, you know, happened before and I will, and I, or what was taking place before. And I think to an extent that is true, but I think to an extent that narrative is that who's spreading that, right? Like, is, is it being spread by the teachers who are in the classroom each and every day? Is it being spread by a community and our students? Or is it being spread by so-called like change agents who want to implement 
um, something that benefits them. You know, so just throwing that out there. So I think I think it's a it's a matter of like looking objectively at where we are and collaboratively kind of deciding what we should prioritize and where we need to go. I will say in the district that I'm in now, we, we have been, that being said, we are doing project-based learning, right? Um, but I, I will say the way I, the way I tackled it um, was I've been where I am for two years now and always like relationships first, right? Always relationships first. Um, granted, we could always get better in that area, but I do honestly think that's something I prioritize. Um, and then when the new book came out, um, I think it was like last April or May, I wanted, I wanted my teachers to get it. <laughs> I wanted the teachers I have, uh, that, that I serve to have it. Yeah. Um, but I didn't, I don't, I, I didn't charge them or anything like that. I didn't say like Venmo me. I know Aaron did that. I didn't do it. No, I'm kidding. Um, but, <laughs> but, but I didn't, but I like, I didn't want to do, you know, you want to do it in a way, like if this is like the, the, I really value the people that I work with and I really value this work. So therefore I wanted the people I serve to have this work, if that makes sense. So how do you do that in a way that's not kind of like, how do you do that in, in the right way? And um, I asked a couple of our teachers and they said, just throw the books into the faculty room, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, and then shoot out an email and say, if you want one, grab a copy. And, and it was neat. Like, like they were gone. And then like, I had to put more in there and more in there. And some of them wanted me to autograph and it, and it meant a lot. And then organically, some of them said, are we going to do anything with this? I'm like, you want to do something with this? We can. Um, so over the summer, um, we put together what we call in my district, like a learning team, which is 15 hours of professional learning. Um, so it's like a full day over the summer and then six hours during the school year spread out across four, one and a half hour sessions, um, for a total of 15 hours. So, uh, we did a learning team and I want to say, you know, so we put it out across the district, but I will say, I think about like 15 teachers from the school on that joined, which is like awesome, you know, so it's like more organic rather than saying you have to do this. Um, so that, that's like one way to tackle it. Once again, like not really more of a pull than a push, I think, yeah. and also relationships first. If this was my first year in the school or um, my second year, I'd probably handle it in a little bit of a different way. Or the teachers would have probably been like, who the heck is this guy pushing his book on us, right? So, um, so I think that illustrates the importance of relationships and sometimes pulling rather than pushing. Well, and you're so naturally doing choice, right? That's, that's in your DNA. And it would feel probably a little ironic if you're like, read my book about choice. <laughs> you have no choice. Read this book. Um, <laughs> but, but I really do hope people read the book again. I, I and I know Brie is um, a, a huge fan of project-based learning too. And I think that it can feel overwhelming, but the way that you all have written the book with multiple entry points is super accessible. So I really appreciate that because I feel like we can all have that focus. Like Aaron was talking about the authentic audience can be a focus, right? Um, for me, questioning is usually what I lead with when I work with a group. You know, I'll do the question formulation technique and I'm really pushing for inquiry um, because I, I feel like for me, that's the way that I, that's like the gateway to PDL, yeah. right? Yeah. Like I'm just going to get them started. Um, and then I will encourage them lately. I've been saying as much as you can and is appropriate delay direct instruction. Like if you, when you're doing your planning can think about how you can delay direct instruction to give more options for exploration, um, investigation on the front side, then that that's really starting to lead down that path. And, you know, there's the, there's lots to do with PBL. There's lots of components, but 
I really just love how you make it very accessible. Like here's a best practice. If you put all of these together, you're doing project-based learning. And so. Yeah. You, you hinted up, you talked about that during your, um, the webinar that you did, Lainey, the idea of like the five engage, explore, explain, elaborate, evaluate. And we actually, we, we, we thought about, do we mention those five E's during in the inquiry chapter. And sometimes it's like, it, it turns into buzzword bingo. So we yeah. left that, we left that out, but that's really what it is. Like looking at, I do, like we have this idea that gradual release and errorless learning is the way to go. Um, and I think that it's like a paradigm shift. Like, how do we not do that? Um, the other thing I'll say in that regard is too, is like this idea of like PBL initiatives, you know, like, so like, I'll just be blunt. Like I've heard in the past through my experiences that like, you know, like, so like I write about PBL, speak about PBL, like that's what Aaron and I do, well, you know, all that stuff. And like, and then it's like, well, what is he doing in his district? Like, where, why is there no PBL initiative? Like he's a fraud and I've been called a fraud, but I love it. It's great. Um, so, so it's like, <laughs> the it's New like, Yorker in you. I don't think most people love that, but yes. It's fine. I don't care. You know, you know, throw, throw stones at me. I don't care. So I think like, I think it's this idea that like, one, like you have to be ready for it right like like relationships first like so if somebody's saying if somebody's saying you're a fraud maybe that person doesn't understand culture but also maybe that person doesn't really understand project-based learning and this idea that like if you're focusing on like inquiry and you're focused on flexible seating and you're focusing on like effective feedback those are all components of pbl so like it's really just it's good practice so like this idea of having to do pbl because you're not doing because like my district isn't or my school isn't necessarily doing a pbl initiative doesn't mean I'm not actively promoting PBL in my space. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, so it, it's not black and white, you know, there, there's plenty of building blocks and you could be focusing on one of those building blocks. Um, and the same for a lot of other practices too. So well, and Lainey, I, I am not a fraud. I'm not, well, maybe I am. I don't know. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not. <laughs> Lainey, you said something else that I think was like that if I had to choose one word about, you know, what do I wish for people approaching project-based learning? I think the word is probably appro approachable um, because I think that for a really long time, uh, people and organizations were working really hard to like put PBL up on this, pe on a pedestal almost and make it seem like it was only accessible to certain people that were able to do it in this particular way. Yep. And I just think, I have a problem with pedestals. That's a whole other podcast maybe. Um, but I, you know, I just, so I think that being able to make it approachable and look at it as the, it's individual components and finding your entry point and finding where you are on the continuum. I think that that's really the way to like, to think about project-based learning. Um, and I think to be honest, and I really don't want this to turn into to anything negative, but I feel like there was in an effort to contrast project-oriented learning with project-based learning, there was almost some shaming almost, like I to, to kind of go with what you're saying about the pedestal, like, well, no, 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 no. If you're not doing it exactly like this, you're not doing it, don't you dare call it that. Mm -hmm. So I, again, I just really gravitate towards how accessible it is. And you know, we you guys talk about the gradual release of responsibility and that happens for uh, all learners of, of, as Brie would say, all ages and stages, right? So it's not just gradual release for kids, it's for adults as well. So bringing things into their practice as it's appropriate. I don't know, what do you think, Brie? Well, I think, I mean, one of the questions that I, I, I keep coming back to in my head as you guys are talking is um, that I would love for you to, to do. So I'm going to preface it while I talk real quick so you can think is if you had, if you could just kind of define PBL 
for people, like for the average person, would that be to help people? You know, I mean, I love Aaron that you said approachable. I do think it's one of those. And I, I, at the time we have a session, I end up using this phrase, but I do feel like PBL ends up being one of those princess bride words, right? Like where we always say like, this is a word that you don't think that, you know, it's like you, you keep saying this word, but you really don't know what this word means. And I think that that is something that happens and it, because, and a lot of it is because it crosses into so many different synonyms and different things like that for us, right? Like we start throwing out inquiry. We start throwing, like, like we have so many different touch points for that word that I also think that in an effort to make it accessible and approachable for many people, we oftentimes convolute it instead of creating, you know, kind of an opportunity for people to really come at it at their own, um, of their own accord. And so that, so, so now that I've said that enough, I think I've bought you enough time. Like what is a distilled definition that if you only had like 15 seconds with a faculty that you would be like, this is what PBL is. What would, what would your answer to that be? I have one. Do you want me to go first, Russ? (laughs) Sure. Uh, Yeah, go ahead. Um, I think that the simplest way I have described it. um, And I, I think we say this in the book too, is learning through doing. Like if I hadn't used an economy of words, that's it. Learning through doing. All right, Ross, that's, that's pretty succinct. I yeah, mean, what yeah. would you, would His you like? His won't to... be that succinct. No, no. I mean. Challenge. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think when you, Lainey, you talked about inquiry and inquiry could be applied to anything like an activity, mm-hmm. a lesson, a unit, which is why it's such a great entry point into project-based learning. Um, so I think when you have inquiry, like student ex- students are basically students are learning through investigation and exploration. To me, that's like what inquiry is. And when you have inquiry span across an entire instructional unit, that's when you're project-based learning. So to me, I define project-based learning as, a, as an inquiry-based unit. Mm. I think also it's an inquiry-based instructional unit at its core, that's what it is. Now you could start saying um, it needs to have certain components, right? Like if you look at components like like you need to have an authentic audience, you need to have um, student voice and choice, you need to have feedback. You, like, so you could have all those components too, um, but at its core, it, it, it's really about student inquiry. And I'll say, I'll say one more thing about, cause I've been on this kick for a couple of years now about like this idea of defining something. I think it's important as, a, as, a, as an organization that you have a definition and it's okay that if your definition is a little bit different than another, organization's definition but I think it's the idea that when we're saying something when we're saying the same thing we're meaning the same thing and, and I, I think that's really important not just with project-based learning but anything else and or any other initiative or whatever or instructional shift whatever it might be but I think it's important also not to weaponize that definition mm-hmm. so like if I'm an administrator I'm going into your classroom if someone's if like a third grade teacher um I'll give a shout out to like a third grade teacher I work with, uh, Melissa Billing. She's wonderful. If I go in, she's like, come, come to my classroom and see me do project-based learning. And, um, and I go in there, I'm like, well, that's not, that's not PBL or that's, you know what I mean? Like, like that I'm essentially weaponizing it as a ministry and saying, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. The same thing with anything else, right? Like that's not differentiated instruction. That's not reading and writing workshop. And when we talk in those terms, we uh, maybe intentionally or unintentionally like weaponize this definition. Um, and I think rather than approaching um, instructional leadership and coaching through that lens, 
it's more like, that's great. I love what you're doing. Now let's discuss how to make it more student-centered, right? Now let's discuss how you chose your audience and how you might do that again with more intentionality, right? So you have this definition, um, you're using it to promote a clear vision, but once again, you're not holding it over like people's heads. I, th I, think, that's, I think that's really important. So, but to answer your question and succinctly, PBL is an, an inquiry-based unit. Yeah, I like that. I do too. I think, I mean, and I, I think that it's, and I, I appreciate the, the coming to that common understanding and definition of it too. I think, I think that that is just like you said, so important for re whatever we're talking about, whether it's, um, you know, educational theory or, or our practices that we're trying to put forward in the school, you know, having that common understanding that common vision of what it is that we're trying to achieve allows us to, um, to, to really internalize and create our individual um, method for, for. I think I heard a dog start barking. Yeah. So, you know, they wanted to, they wanted to jump in on that as well. They thought that, that, that they really liked that. They wanted to give us some props for that. So yeah, I think that, that it is, it's super important to, to have that, like, I know a lot of times people push back. I had, I worked with um, a superintendent who really did, he, he resisted to define things because he wanted um, people to feel that they could have their own interpretation on that. And, um, and, and I, I pushed back on that a little bit with the, you have to have a common um, embrace of that term. Like we all have to speak a similar language in order to then put our own spin on it. Right. Like, you know, we can have, we can all say like, here's the shirt that you're going to wear, or, you know, you need to wear a shirt, but you don't have to say, this is yeah. the only shirt that's available. Right. So like, I think it's giving that, you know, how, the more that we, the more that we can understand what the parameters are, you know, I mean, like to, to borrow from design thinking, right? Like the more constraints that we have, that we understand this is where our, you know, the, these are the the, the pillars and um, our, our walls that we have, then we know how to color it the way that we want it to be in order to, to get that in, across. So I think that's really great advice um, from that implementation standpoint of understand, come to it. Don't just make it that, you know, I, I have a phrase that I call bobblehead implementation, right? Like where, where one person's like, hey, we're going to go and do this. And they just throw it out there. And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, we are. And we have no idea what we're talking about, but we're just doing it because the boss said that we were going to do it. And instead, we really have to like make sure that we're all bobbing our head in unison. Like at least we got to get something going correct um, in that, in that to where we, we know that we're um, following that in those same pieces. I wrote that down. I like that bobblehead implementation. <laughs> well, and I, I, yeah, you know, I was thinking, you know, I, that Noster um, managing complex change chart, I always go yeah. straight to that. And so I hear you both talking about like, what are the, you know, what's the first thing vision, when that's missing, what does that lead to confusion? And so when we're not defining these terms, when we're not giving that clear vision, um, that is going to lead to confusion. And how am I going to know if I'm successful if I don't know where you want me to be? If you give me the destination, I'll find the way there um, with some support. But I need I need some help with where do I want to be? Where do you need me to be? I think um, sometimes I think the biggest issue in that regard is like sometimes we think we're being clear, but we're not. That's true. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, um, so clear like, in my head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cause you've been, cause you've been obsessing about it for the past like year, you've been reading books on it. You've been reading articles on it. You might maybe went to a full day of professional development on it, but 
your, the people you serve didn't do anything, right? So, so it's like all your knowledge and all your experience isn't just going to magically reach them unless the proper communication takes place. I think um, we show we during during a PBL session, Aaron and I we haven't shown this video in a while, but it was there was this like insurance company. They yeah. were showing, like this video. It's like the guy comes in and he's like he's like. What is, what is the video? It's like, um, like you have a termite problem. Yeah. It's just, right? it's like, yeah. Oh, it was termites. And then like, he just leaves. Right. And then it's like, mm-hmm. like, like there's an issue. And it's, it's like the equivalent of saying the teachers, like you need to do PBL. Oh, you need to differentiate. And what I hear the most is like, you need to do a better job of personalizing your learning for your students. Oh, like, that's super clear. <laughs> right. And that, but, but like, we think we're being clear and we're not right. Yeah. So it's like ambitions mm-hmm. in the absence of explicit strategies. And that leads to anxiety. Right. And, um, and then even if you dig deeper, like if, if I was a teacher and administrator came into my room and said that, like, oh, you need to do a better job personalizing learning for your students. Okay, how, right? Yeah. And, then, and then could that person even answer that question is another story. Um, so I, I think it's just really, really over, you can never really over communicate, right? Like over communicate. Yeah. Um, and just making sure that we're being entirely clear. I mean, I, yeah, yeah. So. One of my like core leadership practices now, which again, as most of our core practices, uh, as they develop is usually because you did something wrong. Um, so something that I did wrong that now I have learned to do better is I'm really clear about what I'm not saying also. Ooh. So, you know, after something's communicated and I think that this has been so critical over the last you know, surviving through the pandemic um, is like, okay, so I just said all these words at you. Let me be really clear in summary. This is what I'm not saying. Mm -hmm. Um, So like I'll take Ross's personalized learning example. Like I want you to personalize learning. And then I probably said a whole bunch of words at you here. What I'm not saying is you don't need to start. I'm not saying you need to start this tomorrow. I'm not saying that you need to do this by yourself. I'm like just being really crystal clear about that part too has been, I think is really important from the, from the leadership lens. It reminds me of a book that I did read in my master's program and um, it's that telling isn't training, right? So like, just because you told somebody doesn't yes. mean that you explained it just because you, you know, said, this is what we're doing. It doesn't mean that you actually like brought, brought in all of those elements, set up the environment and the, uh, you know, the, the, the strategies that are really necessary, the resources that you need to make available to people. Um, I think that that is is one of those pieces that that we we forget. Like we're like, yep, no, we said we were going to do it, and and that means that that this is what's happening. And uh, uh, you know, so I, I think keeping in mind um, for our our um, for our 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 educators, whenever we are, you know, if we're leading something, like keeping in mind, just like in our classroom, we're going to have some, um, we're going to have some differentiation of, of readiness and people are going to, to latch onto that at a different rate. We're going to see that happen in, um, in, in, at our, with our adult learners as well and with our educators at that point. Yep. So I want to share just the structure of the new book, because this is part of, to me, what makes it so accessible. And you, you all talk about in the beginning, like this book is the answer to the questions you've been getting since you wrote the first book. And so I love how the structure of the chapters is, it, it, they most start with how do I, and then it's structure, a PBL experience, get grades, conference with students, include direct instruction. It's all of these things that I have had a lot of educators come to me grappling with. And so you've given them um, some, some tools and some strategies to help them work through that. So I think that's really, really helpful. And I didn't hit all of the chapters, but I do think people should check it out if they want to learn about PBL. 
I think I had the book. I think I read the book in like three days because I just was so excited about it. I mean, I gave Ross a copy of Evolving Learner and I haven't heard a word, but that's okay because, you know, he's he's a busy guy and, you know, he, um, he, he you know, where were you last night for dinner? Communal kitchen. I know that because you posted on Twitter, <laughs> um, you're a busy guy. So, um, but no, no money for, for promoting the book. I just love it so much. And Aaron, I think you appreciate when I tease Ross too. So hopefully you're- I do. I'm here for it. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. But no, I do love the structure of the book and I love how you can actually just go to a section. Like if I'm really struggling with grades and PBL, like what does that, how does that look? I go to that section first. Like is, is, am I, am I saying that correctly? Like to me, you don't need to read the book cover to cover. You can actually jump around to what your focus is at the time. Do you, do you feel comfortable with me saying that? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And I think, I think like to use your example, like if you, if you go to, I think it's chapter two, how do I get grades? um, Is there might be some terms in there that are borrowed from another chapter, right? Mm-hmm. You, like, I think like progress assessment tool that you might have to flip to another chapter to figure out, excuse me, exactly what that is. But for the most part, yes, you could do that. But I think also what we were key about is like, we didn't just want a book of like FAQs. You know, we wanted to make sure that in, in reading through all these questions, we were giving you the, the, the forest from the trees, right? So like, not only are your questions being answered, but in reading the book from front to back, you're also learning how to essentially do project-based learning, which I think is really important. We want we didn't want people to read this and be like, all right, I got my questions are answered, but I still don't know how to do PBL. So we wanted <laughs> so we wanted we wanted to have the, both. Like we wanted we wanted both to be packed in, into the book. Right. I think like hacking project-based learning. What we did was we tried to make planning a project as like sim- like the simplest terms possible. And then what would, ha- what would happen was we would go and we would present on that book and we would present the content from that text. And then the people in the audience, rightfully so, would be like, yeah, but, and how actually? Mm-hmm. And so we started to write down those questions. And, you know, we, again, we sort of explained this in the, at the beginning of the book and they were the same all the time, all the time. Yeah. So then we were sort of, then we were like, okay, well, let's just like restructure here. Let's just start with what we know the questions are. And then we layered in the stuff from like the previous text about like how to plan it. Um, So that's really how the text itself emerged and uh, really organic from like what people really wanted to know. So I think that maybe that's why it, I appreciate all the kind words you're saying about it um, because I think that that's why people like it is because it is all the things that they had in their head possibly before they even picked up the book. Um, so I, I think also one more thing I'll add is that I think, I think we use this term in like uh, maybe the introduction is like a progressive educator toolkit, like almost like, um, like if you're, this is like kind of a bit of a, like a generalization, but like, if you're like an administrator and you want your teachers to move forward with their practices, you want your building to be more innovative or progressive, blah, blah, blah. Like what book would you give them? And and not just the book for inspiration, but the book to say, Hey, like this book will actually show us how to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what we are trying to accomplish. And I think it like, yes, it has PBL in the title, but I think in, to an extent it hits upon all those things that, um, that, that teachers and educators would need to be quote unquote, like progressive, if that makes sense. And then I think because we want it to be kind of like a toolkit, um, we, we intentionally referenced a lot of like 
outside resources, you know, that and also we're standing on the shoulders of giants. So these ideas aren't always like our own originally. So um, we were intentional about like, like listing and, and, and having the names of and resources that have really inspired us along the way they're in there. And then it also intentionally links to our, our books website to make those resources and people as accessible as possible. So that that's kind of what I always think. Like if you're like, once again, like if you're that, if like, okay, like I'm a principal and I, and we need to move into the 21st century. What is the book we give our teachers? You know what I mean? And like, there's so many out there, right? There's so many out there. And, and we wanted this to be one of those books. It's awesome. And I have checked out the website and you all have some great resources there. In fact, I use your gradual release of responsibility for moving from, and not, not that you would move away from teacher feedback, but how can we build on teacher feedback to go to peer feedback and to go to self um, feedback. So I hope I got those terms right. But I actually have that in one of my slide decks and I'm like, go check out their website. They've got lots of cool stuff. So um, I feel like I'm really fangirling on you guys this episode, but I do really love the book. And so I hope people check it out. And then um, Brie, any last questions before we, I know we got to let them go in a few minutes and I want to make sure they have time to share their handles and how people can connect with them and get a copy of the book. Any any last thoughts? And then Aaron and Ross, if you want to share anything as you're closing out, get that ready. I mean, I I, I could sit here and... and listen to you guys talk about this all day long. I mean, I truly think that, that it is what I think I just basically echoing what Lainey has talked about. I mean, I think it's creating a very approachable and accessible, um, distill, you know, like distilling this content, I think is really what, what this is, what the goal is of this. And it's not, you know, I mean, so many times we talk about like, especially in education, when we come across these ideas, when we come across these initiatives, we try to put them in a box and we try to say like, oh, we are doing this, right? Like, I'm sure, you know, I always share the story of, of a, an educator who came up to me and was like, I need you to teach me the Twitter. And I was like, whoa, the Twitter, right? Like, what does this mean? Why do we need, you know? And and I know all of us, the four of us are, are really big believers in why. I mean, Ross, you, you shared your why to begin with. And I think that that is one of those, those elements that we have to know why we want to do this. And it's not that we want to do PBL because we want to do PBL. It's because it allows us to really create you know, some synchronicity across learning. And it, cre it it takes that, like we always talk about how, okay, well, you got to take this concept and now you've got to take, you know, take the concept into the content and now the content's got to now be a lot applied into the context. <clears throat> Let me get all of my initials and, and letters in the right order there. But when it's moving that into that context that we often struggle with. And I think a lot of times it becomes that afterthought. We see that all the time in classes. We see it all the time in professional learning even, mm -hmm. right? Like that we don't ever get to that context. We just talk about concept and content. And instead, if we really truly bring all of it together and keep it tightly, you know, tightly create, you know, mix it in really, really well to where it's not just like an afterthought of that, like nine week project at the very end. And now all of a sudden you're going to somehow thread in those elements together. I think instead, mm -hmm. like if we mm -hmm. keep in mind that we're not adding new things, what we're really trying to do with PBL is, you know, create some of that, um, I think really even more like it's, it's a more finely tuned focus. It allows you to create focus around context instead of 
siloing things out based off of content. And, um, you know, I mean, I, like one of my favorite parts in, in the book is when you, you talk about initiative fatigue and how we're just constantly adding, 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 adding. And while many people may hear like, oh, great, now here come the PBL people that are going to come in here and try to teach us something new. It actually almost becomes like, a sieve or, you know, a colander, like to where now all of a sudden we can kind of like strain a lot of this stuff out through there. Like we yeah. can use PBL to be like that, that vehicle that we can push a lot of this stuff through and really cross a lot of those initiatives out by allowing them to be implemented through this, this form. So um, I, I just like, those are the big things that I've gotten out of this. And I really appreciate how you guys have, have, the transition that you've had along the way, right? Like from that first book of like, okay, here we go. Here's our, you know, like, here's how we're going to do this. This is our, 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 um, our experience with it. And this is what we did. And now just, you know, again, I keep going back to, to Ross's why of like, you want to create the school that you wish you had when you were growing up. Like now you wrote the book you wish you had when you started doing PBL. Like, I think <laughs> exactly. that's what you guys kind of did. And yeah. I think that that's exactly. such a gift to all of us as educators. So thank you for that gift and for being with us here. So there you go. Awesome. All right. So I guess we'll do ladies first on this one. If that's not an antiquated notion, um, and Aaron, uh, just any final thoughts and then make sure to share your handles and how people can get in touch with you. Sure. No, I just, I really appreciate it being here. It's so, it's so incredible to have opportunity to talk about teaching and learning right now. I think that so much of our day to day is focused on like the things that need to get done versus like having the opportunity to talk about or think about teaching and learning and instruction. So I enjoyed having this conversation with you all. So thank you so much for including us in your dialogue. Um, and uh, my Twitter handle is at Murphy's Musings 5. Um, so that's Murphy's with an S, Musings 5. Um, and my website is psumurfet.com. Uh, don't let your newlywed husband pick your email address because it will haunt you for the rest <laughs> of your life um and I blame my super long Twitter handle on Ross because he signed me up for Twitter and did not tell me that a short handle would be more effective so that's all his fault I I'm before, all for before I really knew about the Twitter <laughs> the Twitter right you could have you could have used a class on the Twitter like I on. could have <laughs> Ross. Ross taught me that in the back of our grad class. So I we were having our own class while we were in grad class. That is true. I, that was like 2012. I remember being in yeah. grad class with Aaron. 2011. Like, 2011. And being on Twitter chats in 2011 while in grad <laughs> class. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, my, my, um, my handle is RossCoops31. My website i need to start blogging again it's terrible i haven't blogged um every week i'm like i'm going to start blogging again and i don't um is uh rosscoops31.com and my um and my email is rosscoops31 at gmail.com so it's rosscoops31 for everything um makes it easy um and the and if um and the book's website is realpbl.com yeah. by the way realpbl.com um it's referenced in the book and everything there is free. Everything there is free. Um, I think for a couple of things, a couple of eBooks that are on there, you need an, an email sign up, but, but 
whatever. Um, everything's free, so we're not selling anything. And like I said, we created we created the website as the book was being written. So there's tight uh, as the book was being written. So there's tight integration between the two. Absolutely. I love it. Like I said, I literally went there and I was like, maybe this graphic I want to use is there. And I was like, yes, it is. And so then I, Ugh. you all need to get this book that I got this graphic from. And of course yeah. I've got, I've, I've, I'm giving you guys credit and, and citing you. Um, this has been such a fun conversation. It's just been um, like I, as I've said several times, I really enjoyed the book. So to be able to have this chat with um, with all of you has been super fun. Uh, people make sure to check out the book. Go get the go look up the website and follow Ross and Aaron. They're amazing, and we're super grateful to have you here. So thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you. See you next time. Thank you. <laughs> If you enjoyed this batch of Lemonade Learning, please check out our website, LemonadeLearning.us for more resources. Be sure to subscribe today so you don't miss out on future lessons, laughter, or lemonade. And if you're feeling really generous, please go to Apple Podcasts to submit a review so other educators know the value. One last thing, learning and lemonade are best together. So please connect with us on social media using the hashtag LemonadeLearning to share your story. Plus, we're always looking to give away stickers and swag.